Hello and welcome to the debug log number 36. Today is another edition of our rapid fire roundup format where we take a collection of stories from the gaming industry and we discuss them, we give our opinions on them. Today we have a fun mix of stories, anything from a new supercharged Xbox coming out in the next couple of years to interesting new VR platforms to App Store success, which kind of falls into an interesting discussion about App Store censorship, which I thought was a lot of fun. Also, Eduardo details a fun VR event that me and him got to attend here in Atlanta. So, great show all around. Have fun listening to it. So, without further ado, this is the Debug Log, episode 36. <laughs> oh, Vina, that, that outtake at the end of that last episode is amazing. I thought it sold too, man. I can't. I just kept laughing about it. It was too funny. Before that, yeah, like pumping them. We were pumping them up too. Like, hey, you got, you got this, man. You got this. And then it's when it's just before we, <laughs> just before we get started, he's like, "Okay, let's go." And then five minute wait, and then he says, "No." <laughs> it wasn't five minutes. It was a long pause. It was. And then like, like every time you paused the rest of the show, the rest of the intro, because you did it again when you actually did it. But then I was just cracking up while, like, silently while he actually entered the show because I was like, he paused again. That's weird. <laughs> You're listening to the Debug Log, a podcast about game development. My name's Andrew Curry. I'm Obino Parra. I'm Ryan Kilgore. And I'm Eduardo Castillo Fernandez. And tonight is another infamous... It's not infamous, that's negative. It's, it's, it's another edition one, of the... <laughs> third no, one, the third, third one. one. Three people. Uh, whatever. <laughs> of the Rapid Fire Roundup. That said it right, yeah. Rapid Fire Roundup, where we take a bunch of stories from the game industry, whether they're just, uh, you know, behind-the-scenes industry-related or just consumer-facing. You know, they affect consumers in general. So interesting stories we've seen over the past month or so, and we talk about them, and we give you our opinions because we have those. Um, <laughs> tonight, we have a, f- a mix of fun and also uh, some trendy ones like Eduardo's going to hit because Eduardo's all into VR. That's his... <laughs> Eduardo, the VR guy. That's his new name. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, that's what he said. Um, anyways, we'll start with Ryan tonight. What's your uh, what? You, what articles do you have tonight? All right, I got a couple articles tonight, and these are some um, some more fun news from around the industry, and uh, both of them related to gaming, and in particular, actually, both of them related to the Xbox. Uh, first one I got is we mentioned it on the show before, I believe, in a previous episode, but uh, now officially, Rocket League has cross-platform play between PC and the Xbox One. So, like, Microsoft finally uh, worked with, like, a Psyonic to get that up and going. And, uh, like, the uh, PlayStation 4 has been doing this, I think, since about last year. But uh, this is something new to the Xbox One to finally allow that cross-platform play between um, the PC and itself. Um, And I I think that's pretty cool that they're starting to do this type of thing. Um, Because I think in games like Rocket League... Uh, that makes a lot of sense. You know, it just uh, like creates a larger player base. You know, allows more people to connect with each other that may have bought it off on different systems. Um, just a lot of great things like that. I don't think it works so great with like you know a shooter because you know mouse and keyboard versus controller. Yeah. Controller loses every time. But you know, I think it's a really pretty awesome thing they did. To, you know, to sort of open that up. And they even oh, sorry, go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, I was going to say, I actually think it does increase the player base, because I remember it came out on PS4 first, and it was free, and there were little games with PSN Plus games or whatever, 
And again, I bought this game on three different platforms. But I actually didn't buy it on PS4, it's free. So, but when I played in there and it came out on PC, I bought it. And every person I was matched to was always a PS4 player. So they really did help bolster that community. Because I think the fact that it was such a genius idea to put it out for free, but now they, now they just got to get PlayStation and Xbox talking to each other. That's the next step. If yeah. that'll ever happen. Yeah. I don't know if that'll ever happen. Though. Yeah, that, 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 that's going to be a tricky one because that, that may mean like Microsoft and Sony have to somehow, you know, make their systems touch, you know, and they don't really seem to want to do that too often. So, Well, they've already said the excuse for not having things be PC to console is that the excuse I've always heard, and this kind of disproves that, it said that because the certification process is totally different. Because you put stuff on Steam, there's no certification process. Right. You can just put your build on there. Whereas you submit it to Xbox or PS4, they have to, you have to get it certified. You know, they have yeah. to go through a process. And are they just bypassing that now, I guess? Or Well, that's I guess they Go ahead, Obina. No, no, yeah, I don't have really much to say. It's just like, it doesn't seem like that should be much of a hang-up as far as like, you know, creating some comp- compatibility between multiple devices. You know, there could be like, just like when you, you know, create a game for Android versus iOS, of course, there's like some, you know, contingencies that you have to, you know, work around for each platform. But, you know, it shouldn't be, you know, some like crazy barricade to getting it cross platform. At least to me, it, does, it seems like that's like a, like an excuse to not want to have some compatibility between the two platforms. Yeah, and that is a dumb excuse because you could just like, well, how don't you hold the PC one until the other one gets approved, then push them at the same time? Yeah, yeah there exactly. You go. exactly. Or if, if the game is in Xbox, then put it on PC because it's certified already. So yeah. It's not yeah. like... Well, yeah, like to your point, it's like it, maybe the only thing is if you've got like a fix for like the networking code or like some sort of patch. And then you, like, I think Andrew, you just touched on that. It's like, you would have to synchronize it and say like, Oh, well, if everybody's playing in the same system, we might have to coordinate patching somehow, which means waiting for the approval process on a console Mm -hmm. or something like that. But then again, if it's all in the Microsoft realm, then, you know, it seems like Microsoft could just really quickly be like, yeah, go, 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 you know, who knows? Anyway. Yeah. Alrighty, so my next article I have for today is, again, also about Xbox One, and um, it's about uh, some rumors about the sort of the future of the Xbox and, may- and maybe a predecessor next year, um, or sorry, successor. Uh, this summer at E3, they're expected to announce, from, uh, many sources have heard, that, that, that there's going to be an update to the current Xbox One that'll make it uh, a little slimmer. Uh, they're saying about maybe 40% more compact and drop a two terabyte drive in it, as well as drop the cost. Oh, yes, Man, yeah, more space. Yeah. Well, damn, girl, it's bigger on the inside now, right? <laughs> it's more about yeah, yeah. But um, you know, that, I think it's I think it's awesome. Like, cause you know, the Xbox One, I like the device, but it is like a, a freaking VC, like an old school VCR, like Betamax player. If anybody can remember those, but it, I mean, it's just this huge box, you know. So it'd be kind of nice to have it a little more sleek, and definitely, like you guys said. You know, that just in like native two terabyte drive and like being there instead of having to go out, maybe buy an external drive, which is really easy to do, but you have to go out and buy an external drive and set all that up and plug it in. Um, but no, I, I, yeah, I think that's pretty cool. And plug it in. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. I don't have that kind <laughs> when, of time. When you explained it, it sounded so Dude, easy. I'm, I'm so You know, busy. I got to go buy it and plug it in. <laughs> <laughs> This is some bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Freaking making exactly. me work. Jesus. You do have to, like, I think you have to format it, don't you? Don't you have to format the dial uh, or something? But anyway. Maybe. I, well, I, I, I like NTFS or something. 
I was excited about the story when you read it. This is this is well, this one's hot off the presses. This is like the most recent story as a, yeah. as is recording this because remember we talked about this maybe in our first rapid fire round of a few couple months ago that the idea that they had mentioned that about the upgrade, the possible upgrade of the platform, and there was a weirdness, and then it got revealed that PlayStation is doing the same thing. And both of those times, the the rumor, the rumors at both of those times, they weren't like this mega upgrade. It was like, you know, it's one hundred and fifty percent. You know, like it's like one point five version of it or something, right. where it's just a little bit more to handle. And so, but then since then, it's like that idea. And then Xbox said we're not doing that. So we're like, okay, but it seems the PlayStation one is totally legit, and that might get announced at E three too. But you're like, well, it's just a little bit better, and they have. It, it just seems. It seems a weird thing to do for somebody that's in the lead and like mm-hmm. killing Xbox right now. You're like, why are you messing with that? That's really going to piss people off. And then when this came out, I was like, damn, that's actually a pretty smart strategy. Because doing one, no, we're not changing it. But also, when we do change it a year from now, it's going to be four times faster. That's what they said, right? Yeah, they said there was going to be a huge, like, at least a huge GPU upgrade, and that, yeah, it, they're making it to, like, start to handle 4K, and especially also VR, like the Oculus stuff. So they want to be there to actually, you know, actually provide that power for, like, sort of the new media that's coming out mm-hmm. and, like, you know, you know, support VR gaming. I'm still on the fence about, you know, this whole thing, seeing as how the last... You know, this cycle is still like maybe not even midway through it compared to the last cycle. Maybe it's getting close, but you when know, they came out mean, 2012 or 2013. I'm sorry, uh, it's, I don't remember. Maybe I want to say maybe 2013, but so, I'm not positive. So, so, Ryan, are you going to be able to plug the Oculus in the Xbox and Xbox and start playing? I can't answer that, to be honest. You know, I bet they have visions of that because it's, you know, I mean, Oculus picked up the Microsoft controller and it it sort of sounded like to me, like from, I thought I read a story a while back where like Microsoft was kind of looking to like, we're not going to do a VR solution. We got our HoloLens. We'll just try to help. Well, we'll just try to integrate with Oculus. It's it's what it seemed like to me. Yeah. So that may be part of it is the the Xbox One 2, which is, by the way, codenamed Scorpio, apparently. Um, I don't know what that might mean, but... Anyway, yeah, they, they were sort of like leaning towards, hey, you know, we want to we want to integrate with VR, so we'll we'll I wouldn't be surprised to see that. Yeah, because they will uh, probably lose a uh, a bunch of users with the PlayStation having the PlayStation VR, and they don't have anything like that. So if they integrate with Oculus, yeah, yeah. Ahead of the competition, and they'll have a they'll have a slight advantage there too by just instead of making their own because you know there'll be people on PC who already have an Oculus, and we're talking like a six hundred seven hundred dollar rig here, you know, and if you can just port that to your console for games, that's much more appealing than wait I've got to pay like four hundred for or whatever the price is for a PlayStation VR headset, yeah, you know, yeah. But yeah, so those are those are the big rumors I've uh, heard actually. You know, in the past week or so, and then, like Andrew said, this Xbox one's like hot off the presses. And you know, I I don't know. I'm still not sure I want to upgrade this soon. But if they if they make it really pretty, you know, they beef it up and it you know handles the Oculus well and does all this 4K streaming and all that, then hey, hell, they may sell me. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to check back in because yeah. E3 is in three weeks. Next time we do one of these episodes, it'll be after. But it, it's, E3 is shaping up to be weird. Because yeah. you have these huge people dropping out of it, like EA, and of course Disney just tanked their whole games <laughs> side. So you're like, okay, all these people have dropped out and not, aren't even going to attend. But then you have these crazy possible hardware <laughs> announcements. Three years, it's 2013 when they did it, by the way. So it's three okay. years into 
the release to the, you know, the launch schedule that now they're, you know, futzing with it. So uh, it'll be interesting. I think we'll, we'll check yeah, back I'm in with that. Yeah, looking forward to weeks. it. Yeah. Yep, that, that's me for this week, so. Killing us. Obina, you want to go? Yeah, sure, I'll go. Um, Mine's, mine's, I always pick, like, the more obvious stories, <laughs> I think. Uh, and mine's about, you know, Google I.O.'s uh, announcement of Daydream, which is their brand new uh, VR platform <clears throat> uh, to go in along with their cardboard. Not really go along, but it's to like their, it, yeah. to replace it, really. Um, and, well, I don't know if it's going to replace it, because... Actually, it's like a premium mobile VR. Yeah, well, we're pl- replacing the sense that, you know, this is their basically VR 2.0 for Google. Um, their SDK replaces it, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, I, but I think, yeah, they're both they're both going to be available throughout. It's not like they're killing off cardboard or anything. It's just they're, this is like their new and improved, you know, soiree into VR. So anyway, so it's I think uh, if you watch the keynote and if you didn't, but they're like exploration of like how they're integrating VR into like your everyday life and you they want this to be a new like experience where it's like a comfortable you know inviting experience more than just like entering one you know one game or one app this is going to be like a home they they it's, I think it's called Daydream Home where they introduce several apps you know they're integrating it with YouTube you know CNN apps you know they have so many already you know apps already integrated with this uh Daydream Home um, and it, Daydream was it comes it comes with a controller as well. It's like a custom controller for Daydream. So when you do get your Daydream set, you get the Daydream headset, you get the Daydream controller, and, and oh yeah, and this is all like for a phone. So it's like you have like Daydream ready phones. I'm not sure. And it's like that that controller is like what's cool about it is like a it's just like one of the Vive wands basically, right? Yeah. Uh, to, yeah, and to me that feel, I think I was uh, talking to Ryan, just how it kind of felt kind of weird just having that one wand, especially like when you're trying to integrate that into, you know, VR games and stuff, like you're limited to this one, you know, <laughs> external, you know, peripheral. Yeah, as we were talking as, about like, the other night, how there's no standard right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I guess, yeah, I think this cool thing about that is people, all these big players like Google and, you know, PlayStation, et cetera, and Valve are, you know, trying to become that standard as far as for VR you know, games essentially. So, yeah, but yeah so th- I think Google, go ahead. I was just going to say real fast. So I, I'm a little behind on this. Like that, that actual controller, that peripheral, uh, does, does that do any sort of tracking in the world or is that purely just like a cursor or something no, like yeah, that? No, it, it does do tracking it in your, the world. Yeah, it tracks your It's hand. like the wand. It's like a wand thing. Okay. Yeah. Drive, yeah. So yeah, it's pretty cool. In, the, in their videos, it's pretty cool what they've managed. And I think they had one uh, game guru uh that was part of google that created some a demo scene or demo game for with using the wand and controller and everything and it seemed pretty cool how it was tracking you know your head and your arms and everything in it so uh but you know overall just like the the new experience they're trying to deliver with daydream and and just having like you know creating this world for you in vr and you know the ability to like i think this like you can easily switch between uh, oh yeah, I should also mention this. They have that the SDK for Unity as well as Unreal. I think Unreal is available was the, available the day they announced. Uh, whereas you know Unity's SDK and in, well native integration, they already have an SDK available for Unity, but their native integration for Unity is coming in the fall of this year. So um, yeah, I'm really glad to hear that um, these big companies are embracing VR more and more because. What the, what's the good thing about VR is that it's a whole new um, way to see the virtual world. So now they have even uh, more capabilities. So now they can track your hands, 
with the vibe you can move so it's more immersive every time and now Google is taking it to a mobile device um, but not only a couple of Samsung's like the Samsung Gear VR they are now LG is going to start making improving their uh, cell phones to have the cameras required to have Google Daydream HTC is going to do it Samsung of course mm -hmm. is going to improve theirs too so this is pretty exciting so yeah, I, I'm surprised you didn't fight for this story, Eduardo. This is combining two of your latest passions. <laughs> yeah, you Google, Google, which is your new favorite thing, and then VR. I was like, man, no, but but got out easy on this one. He just my two uh, babies. Obina, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Obina had it first. That's fine. I mean, chime in, chime in, take whatever you want. But uh, you can have some scraps. Yo, it's fine. Yeah, you can have the rest of the scraps of the IO. Uh, I, I think an interesting point that we talked about the other night. When was that? We were just talking normally and not recording it, guys. Why were yeah, we doing yeah. that? Oh, we, yeah. But <laughs> it was after our uh, FPS episode, and we were talking about how just the, this story, but how the thing that's weird about these systems, though, since there's no standard, I thinking about because for the for the first time this past weeks I got to try a vibe and we'll talk about that later but it was neat and the, the room space thing is so neat where you can walk around I know Ryan you tried it it's like it's so cool but then you realize well none of none of the other Oculus doesn't have that so and then so if you were designing a game for both of them like what do you do so maybe you just default to not have using that and then now it's like oh cool the portable things this is probably going to sell a lot of you know units of your game and stuff if you actually put a game out for daydream but you're like, but it only has one one. So now you start. It's like the lowest common yeah. denominator. You build a game centered around that. So then you're standing, but then you're standing there in your vibe with two big wands in this room space that you're just moving one arm now and not doing anything else. So <laughs> look at my it, wands. Yeah, yes. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, obviously there's smart ways to get around that, and I've seen some Oculus to Vive games that have done some interesting solutions, but it becomes just an. It's like the resolution wars of mobile. It's the same thing. Like now it's like input you know variation across all platforms is different well don't is, be surprised if they add uh, a new controller and now you have both hands i guess yeah, they could just or, give you another just, one yeah, dub, yeah just double up <laughs> just buy a new one for 68 dollars. i wonder if that'll work <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure they can fix it you know figure that out it's google quickly. yeah yeah, it's Google. <laughs> what if we gave you two controllers? Yeah, exactly. And the thing I really like about the Daydream is just how it's more of a, like a integrated experience besides just like experiencing one or, you know, one-off apps or one-off uh, VR world. It's you can integrate it with all these different apps like like they've done already with YouTube and, and you know, experiencing those 360 videos and, um, you know, all those other apps besides just like, you know, launching one game, but it's, it's a whole new realm that you step into and you go into danger. I guess that's, you know, how they coined that name. It's just a new world that you're entering besides just like a single app. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, oh yeah. So I had another, I had another, it's not really an article. Uh, one of my friends, uh, Shane shared this with me in our Slack channel. Um, and this was really cool. It's just like a, a company that's creating, uh, for you artist folk out there, is they're creating like normal maps using a camera, um, based based on any texture that you have in front of you. So it could be a pile of leaves or uh, the carpet in front of you or the grass that you're you're looking at, and you basically can create normal maps and uh, from it just by using the camera on your phone. It was like some app they're creating. Um, you definitely have to see the video to see it in action, and that's what really makes it kind of cool is just seeing how they're using the light from the camera and then, you know, having a steady, 
you know, just using the camera to create normal maps for textures. That's cool. That's really cool. So, yeah, definitely when, when we put this in the show notes, check that video out. Check out the company. Um, could come in handy, you know, on the go. On the go texturing. So <laughs> Yeah, that, their solution is pretty clever, I thought. I mean, that it, yeah, I'm actually kind of looking at the video now, and I saw, I think, some of this off of Reddit. But it's like it's kind of it's almost like one of those things that when you're shown it, it's like, that is so simple and genius. Why didn't anyone else think of that? But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, just using that flashlight and the camera to get the lighting at different angles on things and then calc, you know, it's like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. That's so neat. Yeah. Very cool. All right. I'll go next, I guess. Um, fine. Yeah. I'm <laughs> fine. I'll save the best for last. That's Eduardo. Uh, Oh, yeah, thank you, you, sir. <laughs> Mine's. <this laughs> he just is, took that too. <laughs> yeah, so he just takes it. He, he learned. He knows now. He doesn't get bashful about it anymore. So like, yes, <laughs> we've I do created a monster for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, I've been practicing with Zach. You know how he is. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> um. So this first article I found is 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 one I read, and it's like this is this is a typical type of article for me where I get I'm at work. You know, it's like it's a Monday morning at nine o'clock. Like, oh tired and like i'm like looking through articles and i see some indie developer who's some developers like oh they made eight billion dollars off this game that i was like, <gasps> <laughs> like what am i, I just, doing I, here i was like <laughs> and i was like oh they get so like i get so excited and inspired but i'm also like oh my god why am you know but this is one we talked about and we're fans of these guys so the us two guys monument valley which we talked about is our previous game of the week which will inst- you know we're going to do some more games of the week uh sometime soon but Monument Valley, which is a game that came out a couple years ago, they posted their post-mortem, basically, or just their numbers, a big infographic on Medium. Um, for their two years, they've had a game. And the first year it came out, it was a success because it had, you know, it won Apple Design War, Design Award, and it got, like, by all accounts, it had, like, 3,000 downloads. I mean, 3 million, sorry, 3,000. 3 yeah, million <laughs> downloads. You're like, that's not a lot. for that? Uh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so that was cool. And so they're like, yeah, yeah, we're pretty successful. But then we've also mentioned the show before, moving into their year two of that being there. I was like, okay, well, now we're going to move on and start working on the next thing. Then not all, they got featured in House of Cards because Frank Underwood, the politician on the show, played by Kevin Spacey, he he's always playing a game every season, right? We just talked about that before the show. So it's like Call of Duty and then Agario, Agar.io this year. But this, but when they mentioned Monument Valley, not only was it featured, but it was like a plot point in the show. Like he read a review that talked about that game, and then he hired that guy to be write his memoir. Like it's just, it was part of the show. They mentioned it several times. They talk about yeah. the game and stuff. You're like, oh my gosh! I was like, that's amazing. Apparently, that helps you, you know, because the first year he they made three <laughs> three million downloads. The second year, twenty three million downloads. Yeah. Yeah, it helps. Nice. Definitely. Yeah, <laughs> of which 21, 21 million of all the t- so they over t- so over two years they twenty six million downloads twenty one million of those were free downloads. Hmm. So they're upgrading and doing you know buying the the collector's thing or whatever. But over the lifetime of this for the two years they've made fourteen point three seven eight million dollars, which good for those guys. Hell yeah. They actually made more the second, the first year though, because when they were paying for it. So I, it's a, it's a, you know, that's that's a little insight into the free model. <laughs> you know, they got that many more downloads. They still they made eight million the first year and six million the next year. So that's a that's a, that's inspiring to most people out there. So check that out. 
make an original game that's totally aesthetically pleasing and it's you got <laughs> a success. It's on. <laughs> oh, that's so easy. Easy peasy. Why wasn't easy I doing peasy. this already? <laughs> it's funny because I see that. It's so I get it, being in like the indie game scene or just not the indie games, just game scene. We always see people just have these games that are not clones, but it's like that's a lot like that game, dude. You know, I saw recently some in one of our groups or somewhere on the internet. I saw some game that it basically looks exactly like Monument Valley. It might have been a different type of game, but somebody in the comments says, "Hey, you like Monument Valley much?" And he's like, huh, "Yeah, I've heard that before. I've never actually played that game." I was like, "Bullshit!" <laughs> it's like, don't give <laughs> I me that. Watched all the like, videos. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, come on. Why would you, if it, people kept saying that, wouldn't be the first thing you did is look up that game. So, yeah, anyways. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they're lying. Anyways, my next story, it has to do with this, it, something that's a, been a controversy in Apple Store in general for a lot of games. And this one has to do with a specific title called, it, it's, it's where somebody submitted a title that has interesting, mature themes. Um, I know it happened with that Papers, Please game when that guy tried to put it on the App Store and that, happened with this game called The Shadows of War. And apparently it's a game, but it has to do with, like, you know, Gaza Strip violence and a storyline based on that. And it's a real thing. It's not some exploitative thing. It's just a story, you know, that's a game. And Apple has this weird... I love Apple. I have Apple phones. I'm at, We have Apple laptops. But, I mean, Ryan, don't say anything. But <laughs> I got an Apple laptop. I, yeah, that's true. You Windows do, too. They hate it. <laughs> so did Eduardo. But, like... I I like them, but they get so skittish when people do things in there. Because what they didn't want this guy, because they had a war theme, they didn't necessarily want him to change anything in the game, but they wanted him to reclassify it as being a news or reference app, not a game. And that might sound innocuous to most people. Like, yeah, who cares? But that's so shitty for games as a medium, though. So it's like, you're saying that games have to be this frivolous thing that can't actually talk about issues or can't be a touching story. Since then, what always happens with these stories, though, that's why it's always kind of shitty, too, is that they always reverse the decision. There's a big stink about it, and they're like, okay, fine, you can do it. I was like, why did you stop it in the first place? So that means that people that don't get actual coverage in the media will get rejected, you know? So I don't know. What do you guys think about how kind of protective they are that's after do you think it's necessary or you think it's kind of a little overprotective well i i find it overprotective personally i mean granted they have their sort of like walled garden ecosystem and brand they they want but i mean i i just never like the idea of people trying to like throttle information or entertainment you know again it's their systems they can do what they want but it, you know at some point it's like in this case there's going to be a backlash for it and i think that you know when somebody wants to make a statement via a game and they want to classify it as a game and get it you know, presented to people that way as an interactive experience, which, you know, a news reference app is not exactly the most interactive experience necessarily. You know, I, I, I feel they should let the guy classify it as he likes. And, you know, the best thing that's happened here, I think, is that the guy actually ended up getting on the app store, it sounds like, with his classification. And he also got all right. this media attention. So now he's probably going to do, or he or she, I don't actually know, is going to do better, um, so he, you know, yeah. for it. Yeah, so... I think. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, I think it's a yeah. too as well. <laughs> but it yeah, it sounds like I mean Apple has always been like this curator or the app stores is just like this curation of basically their like what they see and what they envision the app store being. So I mean, it, it makes sense or not makes sense, but it, it's part of the course for them to be you know, so scru- uh, have such scrutiny over all the apps that go in. That's why it's so hard to get anything in the app store is they 
they, they're just so, I don't know, just so iffy and, and I guess dodgy with the apps they let in. Um, so it, it doesn't surprise me that they would, you know, go to the lengths and like, especially something that has to do with like the Gaza Strip. I'm pretty sure if, you know, Ryan made a app about ISIS, they'd, you know, do similar things to it. Why, so just, why is this me? Because <laughs> yeah. you, you always talk about ISIS for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, I don't. I don't know what it is that they just always seem so reactive in weird ways. Like if all Apple's supposed to be progressive and they do these things, this, this division is the most. Actually, we shouldn't say this thing. This is bad for us to talk about this. Like to get apps approved. Like, oh yeah, we heard your podcast, guys. In limbo. It's like it's like it's weird. It's like even when I agree with them, it's like what you know the whole Confederate flag thing happened and all that stuff. Yeah, it's a fucking dumb thing. And then they just immediately though just took down apps and were just like, this is like a civil war like educational app or something. They <laughs> took it down without warning the people and like guys, just at least work with them and say, hey, you know, in light of recent events, we're gonna start. We we've decided to stop. You know, we're not going to put anything with Confederate flag on there, which is great. I agree with that. But they just do stuff randomly. It's like there's one guy's like, "Oh shit," you know, and like he just reacts. And I was like, even if you do agree with him, it's just like ah. And this, I just this is the one thing that just makes me mad about this is they never, as much as Apple, like you know, I we watch the keynotes. We know watch keynotes. They're like they they really mythologize creators and art and artwork and all that stuff. They never taken that kind of stand on games as a serious medium. It always feels like, well, if you make, you know, Clash of Clans, we'll 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 get all behind you, all of your business, you know. Or if you make Angry Birds the movie, we'll promote the movie in the app store, even though it just came out. You're like, what? So, so it's interesting. It's an ongoing thing. Hopefully, they'll start taking that a little more seriously, like they do their other properties. That's true. We'll see. Cool. All right, Eduardo, take us home. My turn. Yeah. Nice. Oh. All the attention is mine. Okay, guys. So um, this time, what I bring you is a uh, um, a survey that I found um, that uh, this company made, uh, Interactive Broadband Consulting Group (IBB) uh, about the the consumers' thoughts on virtual reality, and I think it's a really interesting survey now that um, VR is becoming is growing more and more so they um, cover different aspects like popularity price content VR distribution and how people want to pay for VR content so starting with popularity um, they kind of wanted to know um, what are the the um, sectors of the population that are more interesting in VR and the percentages. So, among 8,000 people or more, um, only 12% of those consumers uh, didn't know what virtual reality was. But 17% of the rest are interested in VR. And 31% of those uh, people that are interested never tried it. So, which means that even though they don't know, um, they haven't tried VR um, at all, they are willing to pay for it. So that that tells a lot about how the how virtual reality is spreading in the population, and those per- percentages are, are going to grow probably in the next years. So the money standpoint, how much are uh, people willing to pay for virtual reality? 
So 33% of um, the, um, the people in the survey said that they're willing to pay up to $99. Uh, so 26% says between, okay, uh, 100 and 250. So 23% said nothing. So I guess they're not interested in VR. But what this is saying is that there's a huge market for uh, what Google is doing with the Google Daydream, which is premium VR, uh, premium uh, mobile VR, which is not too expensive. Besides, you're going to run it in your cell phone, which you already uh, paid for. And for the Google Cardboard, but also for the Google, uh, not Google, Samsung Gear VR. So those um, virtual reality experiences that are, um, I would say, lighter than the Oculus and um, Vive uh, have a, a really chunk of the population in their favor. So 12% of the population said they're willing to pay between 250 and 500. And 6% uh, of the population are willing to pay more than um, 500 which I think is the target of the Oculus, Vive, um, PlayStation VR, I think is around that, or also the 12%. So, Wait, however, this people... Yeah, go ahead. No, say, say, uh, so is the takeaway that uh, a majority of like consumers are more interested in the like the premium mobile type VR, or are you saying that they're more interested in like... I can't, I can't, I was getting kind of lost in the numbers, but are they more interested in like the more, <laughs> the Vive type uh, well, market? No, 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 I, no, no, no. This is just from the money standpoint. Um, oh, like I, spending. Yeah. Yeah, spending money. So they're, they're not going to pay. They're, they're interested. They, they said that they're not going to pay in an Oculus, which is $500. <laughs> I, I love that. Yeah, I love that, the, the stat breakdown of that, because it's like, that's pretty depressing, because it's like, what you should, what would you be willing to pay? Thirty-three percent up to ninety-nine dollars. Twenty-six one hundred eighty-fifty. Twelve percent two fifty. Twenty-three percent is nothing, and then five hundred to a thousand. Which these things cost three percent. I am <laughs> like three percent. Nothing exactly, is twenty-three percent. Those three percent is the core, the core gamers. I guess that's true. I mean, that's like uh, how many people have like hundred thousand probably that's people have these too. devices now. That's like percentage. That's. There's three million people, you know. I mean, thirty, yeah. three hundred million people. Like, and like Eduardo said, that's that's just hardcore gamers mostly. Because I mean, to even push that on a PC, you're probably you're gonna have to have a decent rig. Like, I mean, a lot of people I know who are actually mm -hmm. getting vibes and stuff. I mean, they're upgrading at least video cards, or I mean, like I'm, you know, this year, especially now that the Nvidia 1080s are out. Like, I yeah. want to build a new PC rig with that and, like, so it can support VR as well as, like, you know, games like Doom that are starting to come out and really get, you know, super, well, like, these next leaps in graphics, so. And that's why it's smart, like, your store before, the Xbox, like, if the PlayStation one's just a little bit better, but the, if the Xbox one is about four times better, it's, like, it's, it's a much, they're playing the long game there, but for people that, for most people, are not going to build a PC and buy this other extra thing, but mm -hmm. they will buy a $400 console and then a $400, you know, or some bundle yeah. together. You buy an Oculus and Xbox One, Two together, that could be something. But yeah, and, that, and that's no, why I, 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 to, 
Sorry. Go ahead, Ron. No, yeah, and again, to like your point is just like how Google's in their daydream is taking that approach of like, let me make this even more consumable. Yeah. Where you know it's it's just on a mobile device, it's it's in your phone, you you already have it, and it's going to be backward compatible. And this is more of no wires it's not for either. just your core gamers. It's it's for people who just want to sit back and relax and watch YouTube clips or, or Netflix or read CNN articles on their in this VR world. So they're trying to make it even more consumable. Uh, and you know less, you know, for that three percent, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, I, I guess it's always a kind of a balance because that three percent is gonna pay sixty dollars, eighty dollars for a game for for a game, but the thirty-three percent is probably going to download a bunch of free applications that um, are gonna make money for um, with ads. So they they will need a really large population to make millions. And maybe those uh, in the three percent just need a, a niche of players that uh, are willing to pay a lot, and they'll get you to the millions faster. So, yeah, and oh. you know what? Those those like, sort of lower end systems, or like well, the cheaper systems, I should say, like where you can just get a phone and use it, or it's like your phone, like you know, Andrew Sidno buyer's remorse. It's like, ah, oh, this doesn't work out. I still have a phone, but like those. Cheaper systems can help indoctrinate people, or that's maybe not the best word, but you know, or like expose them to VR, and then maybe they do make obey. the leaps. Yeah, obey. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's like they do make the leap into like higher end systems later because they're like, oh shit, this is what this can do. Well, what if I got like an even stronger like dose of this? You know, who knows? So it's like a gateway, a gateway drug. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Besides, I think um, that three percent is gonna grow in the next years. Because VR is being applied for other things different than just gaming. So let's okay. say in, in healthcare, a hospital is not going to uh, give their patients a gear VR to make, a, I don't know, the treatment of a certain phobia or rehab, something like that. They will give them, in my opinion, a really nice uh, VR headset where the, they have a, an appealing experience that makes them feel really good and they say okay this is a <laughs> a really good hospital instead of a cheap solution in a gear vr i don't know so the next um point in the in the survey was content and how people uh, what people think they are going to consume in vr of course the uh, highest percentage was gaming uh, then followed by movies and tv then travel uh, people say try before fly and theme parks, uh, live events such as sports and concert, and then user-generated content or social sharing. Um, so this uh, is interesting. Of course, gaming is fine, movies, uh, but travel before you fly. I guess this is uh, really open to 360 videos and things like that. So for the distribution, and here you can see a relationship with the, the previous uh, point with the content, they say they're, they're expecting to uh, consume VR content through YouTube, Netflix, so it would be uh, internet video, provide, uh, video providers, which makes sense with the uh, Google Daydream coming out and integrated with YouTube. Uh, next, they said uh, gaming platforms, which is already being implemented with the PlayStation VR. Uh, now the Xbox that update that Ryan mentioned before, if they integrate with the Oculus, is going to be this way. 
wireless providers like Verizon and AT&T. I don't know what they say then. But. So an app stores and Google Play, of course, with uh, smaller PR experiences. Um, so now the cool part is how people want to pay for VR content. And they say, oh, free, free on demand, 38, 38%. So I guess they're expecting Fucking like, YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, not only want to, do I want it free, I want it on demand. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> like, like, whenever I want it free. <laughs> I guess they are expecting that YouTube, so much yeah. content is going to be created. Not this year, but in the next year's. So much content will be created that it will be uh, most on demand or things like that. The next um, percentage says download and own, which I guess is that comes for games. To buy the game and uh, that's it. You can play it. It's the whole experience. They also have monthly subscriptions, uh, free live broadcasts, uh, and pay on demand with no ads. So, well... There you go. It, it feels like some of these actually, and which I think is going to be the big, like I, we've talked about this before, but I think the big market or the big medium for this is not necessarily going to be games and not necessarily going to be created stuff. It's going to be 360 video, not just that like streamed live 360 video. Mm-hmm. So you can watch the presidential debate sitting in the front row, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. or you can Andrew, watch, or, you know, WrestleMania. Yeah. No, 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 no. But, Andrew, we know what you mean. Pornography. Exactly. Uh, you, can do that. All of this. <laughs> you can already do that. I'm just you saying that. <laughs> no, I mean, just strap it on your daisy. face. POV videos <laughs> all day. <laughs> well, that's true, too. The porn industry does drive technology. But, I, like, everybody says VR, and they're like, this is going to be some, you know, it's like all 3D. I was like, yeah, it's going to be video, though. I think video is going to be the big because now, but they just don't have really reliable and like sellable 3D cameras. And now they're just starting to, that's starting to come out now, you know, actual ones you could buy. So I think that'll be a big thing. I just think that's a neat because we do that on the weekends. Like, oh, so the music, this, some random music festival is happening. You can stream it on, you know, whatever site. But just to, just to be able to pop that in and just be in the middle of the crowd, that's neat. That's yeah, really kind of cool. cool. Yeah, I think that'll be really cool. And, um, as, as far as other videos, though, like movies, I'll be curious how they, I guess, adapt like filming and cueing like uh, viewer, you know, sort of attention or focus. Because, you know, if you can look around in a full 360 environment and you're trying to tell a story, how do you say like, hey, focus over here or like pay attention over here next? You know what I mean? It's like it'll be right. interesting to see how like the mediums deal with that and like to actually ha- like have the viewer see what they want them to see so yeah i think in the, to that regard i think you're kind of gonna have to be you're gonna have to limit you know how much they can see uh especially like if you're trying to tell a story for like film and movies because you know you can't really you can't take away control in these vr environments otherwise you know you're probably gonna or from control from the user i guess from the vr user um otherwise you know they, they get sick or something like that uh, and if you're trying to tell a story you kind of have to have them focus on certain areas. So I, I think you're probably going to have to be, you're probably going to see situations like where you may just be <laughs> like sitting in a theater or something. You know, it's almost going to be the exact same thing. Cause I feel like that's the <laughs> well, only I, way you could really, you know, tell a story without them getting distracted by, you know, the bird on a tree, you know, <laughs> somewhere and else. W- well, we talked about that too. Last time we talked about, I mean, in our FPS episode about Half-Life and Bioshock does this too. Sounds those like games. we deviated a lot in that episode. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, but no, but that's to the same point. Those games that we were talking about in Half-Life, for instance, they don't have cutscenes, so everything's in-world. But sometimes the way it'll kind of 
lock you in. It's like it'll put you in a room and you're looking through a window. And it's like, but again, of course, you can always just look at the ground. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's right. true. Or they'll have agents in the scene, like, and you mentioned Bioshock, like Bioshock Infinite. It's like, you know, um, Elizabeth will be like, you know, hey, Booker, you know, and all of a sudden you, you just reactively sort of like, Flip around like, hey, what's going on? And then she kind of engages you for the next. Uh, yeah, you can always it, break you know? it. I mean, it's not. Yeah. That, you could always break it, but you know, that's up to you know. too. That's your decision. If they give you yeah. cues, if they force your your sort of attention, and then you're just like, yeah, I want to go stare at the ground over here in the corner like a weirdo. You know, then well, that's your choice. So. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's how you want to experience. Yeah, that, that reminds yeah. me of an article that I found the other day um, where Steven Spielberg tried oh, yeah. VR, and he said that. Uh, VR was going to be like, uh, what was it, like a challenge for movies or things like that? Because exactly this point, in movies are uh, controlled completely by the producers, and in VR, you have the the viewer has the control. So what yeah, are they going like, to do about that? Yeah, it's like somebody telling like a story, a campfire story, but then you can also just start listening to people talking next to you. It's like no, but that's he's telling that story. Don't start like you said. Don't look at the bird. <laughs> look at this thing. And so. I don't know. I don't. I don't think movies are going to be. A, I, I think. I don't think that's where this stuff will shine. Again, I think it'll be like documentary type things, putting you inside of real situations, whether they're live events or they're yeah, yeah. some kind of neat thing where you like. That's the point is exploring. I think there's always going to be movies because that's yeah, a, like that's a certain type thing, of narrative. Um, yeah, he mentioned because just put being inside of a real place, like inside of the pyramids or something, you know, it's like, this is neat. The perspectives here and I can see around. I've never been inside there before. You know, that'll be neat. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I think VR is really there. Well, I guess I, let me not say that. Cause I was going to say that they, they are more about experiences and less about actual storytelling, you know, it's like really just trying to explore and experience something, um, you know, in, in yeah. different, with a different perspective. Uh, and not necessarily, you know, telling you a timeline of, of stories or of a story. So anyway, that's me. Yeah, real story, real reality doesn't play out very interestingly as a narrative, mostly. Exactly, you know, exactly. What? Yeah. Reality doesn't narrative. play out interestingly as a narrative. How, how you, like, look at making a murderer. How could you say that? Well, but that's very cut together. You didn't sit around that yeah, dude while exactly. he was just watching SportsCenter for hours and stuff. You know, like. You sit around <laughs> and watch him murder people. <laughs> well, yeah, when you watch 20 years condensed down to 10 hours, it's that's what I mean. Like, it's, oh, you right, can like, selectively cut things out yeah. and not just look at that bird again. Like he's saying, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go stare in the floor over here. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, so those are our stories. Speaking of VR. Oh, actually, Eduardo, wait, wait. Oh, sorry. Whoa, I didn't want to, this is so random, but I, I kind of want to jump back to your, your Apple one for some reason. Because I, yesterday I was listening to... Um, where did I hear this? Oh, it was on. Um, my girlfriend was watching a, a show, uh, and and she was saying they were talking about how MTV. Someone tweeted something on MTV. I don't know. This is a, a very far fetched connection, <laughs> but they tweeted about like Sierra and Rihanna's Sign beef or something. Yeah. 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 Wow. And, and anyway, okay, I'm gonna so, go to um, sleep now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, keep going into our, uh, Keep going. Into, I'm interested. Let's do this. <laughs> Connects eventually. Anyway, so they I'm were saying the recording. Shut up. <laughs> go I, ahead, go I ahead. listened through all your damn stats. You, you listen through mine. Anyway, <laughs> all right, guys, come on, go, right, keep going over yeah. here. All right, anyway, so yeah, so um, they were talking about um, dang, now you messed me up. They were talking about 
Oh, yeah. So the, basically, this intern was basically tweeting for MTV. And this is how my connection comes into App Store is that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's not like the Apple CEO is not just saying, hey, OK, this Apple's rejected. This Apple, this app is rejected. But instead, <laughs> right. you know, you have like a team or algorithm that is running through these apps that are submitted, you know, taking key things, um, uh, you know, about the app and then and in you know, determining whether it would, you know, meet certain requirements. Anyway, my point is um, that the reason for their backtracking may not have been that, you know, they are just this company that has to curate and, and stick to a brand and and they hated this app because it was politically sensitive, more so that it was like it, it didn't meet these, these requirements. And the requirements are like, hey, is it talking about terrorism or something? Or is it talking about... Right. Anyway, and I get that. Point. It, I mean, it's it screams of scared middle manager, though. I don't think Tim Cook is making it. He'd be like, oh, this looks interesting. We should just publish it, mm-hmm. you know, if it was that high. And so, so I'm saying, like, maybe them backtracking, they, they like, uh, you know, the the whole article title is like Apple backtracks. And maybe it was yeah. just like someone made, some intern made a decision. It was like, hey, I don't think this is uh, politically right for this genre. Jesus, I hope they get something bigger fine. than interns, like deciding what gets on the app store. Well, this one, yes. not that one, this one. <laughs> yeah, so and I, that's know. that's actually you're making a good point, Abina. That's actually like a political point Thank you. that I actually like that because and I and I gave them shit before, and I'll and I'll defend them a little bit here because I I got I think they're more reactive and they do stuff very hastily, and I was like I think they could do a better job of planning it and communicating to developers what's happening, you know, because that's probably their biggest problem. But, but are they not though? Like oh, even sometimes when they, they reject don't. your app, generally speaking, they I feel like they give you really good information as to why they, your app was rejected. Well, okay, yeah, that's fine. I, that I'm not I'm, I'm not even talking about that point. They're, they're good. Yeah, you're right. But what I'm saying is though that I like the idea that they, you're right. The way that article is put, like they backtrack, and that's like a big thing just in general in politics. We have stuff like he flip flopped, like just in general, it's like yeah. they went back, and I was like, you know what? Because they considered their decision. And thought differently of it. I was like, that's not being, you know, being weird. That's actually intelligence. <laughs> that's actually looking again at a situation right. going, hey, that's you know true. what? May- now you guys have said they made these points. Now I could change my opinion. I see that from a different perspective. So I, yeah, it's not as exactly. negative as they make the connotation there. Yeah, and, and maybe yeah, even but, now I mean, going it is- forward, this. And you could praise them for having an open dialogue with that saying, you know what? You're right. We'll put it on there now. So. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, yeah. I, to, I agree with Obina too. Is like this certainly is a much more clickbaity way to do it. Way to do it is just like Apple backtracks. Oh, let me click on that. What did they do? You know, instead of just like Apple came to an intelligent decision about you know da 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 da. It's like yeah, it's like eh, that's not interesting. Yeah, <laughs> not interesting. Yeah, yeah. everything is how you present things. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what sales. Yeah. So and it, you, sometimes yeah, it takes the. It takes these app, or apps like these to actually get that dialogue. Even the, you know that media attention that we were talking about earlier. Sometimes it takes that that extra media attention where you know big companies that are doing these curated uh, app stores, where you know app store is a huge market and it's a very important market for technologists and game you know developers uh, across the world. So when they do have these you know politically sensitive apps that come out and there's a, a dialogue around that. That goes for, and now it sets a sort of a precedent for any app that comes after it. So, you know, apps that may want to talk about, you know, ISIS or something else may, you know, they can reference this, you know, this story or this this event. Uh, and, and then maybe Apple's decision will not be, you know, as harsh and, you know, coming forward in, in the future because of this app. So anyway, so I think this this getting so much media attention may have been you know, a really good thing for. Yeah. And like, again, that. 
and it's a good lesson to developers too that have something get rejected or for other reasons in other areas that you post something and the media reaction because oh you fucked them blah 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 and they do all this stuff and like wait a second like it, I mean this is like we're getting the life lessons now <laughs> like you disagree with somebody instead of just reacting oppositely right just start a conversation because once you start yeah, yeah. a conversation you might be able to find some middle ground <laughs> you learn something about life. <laughs> another big thing about life is not to be scared of like bigger you know like when you're expressing your opinion right yeah yeah expressing your opinions to like ceos or even apple like reaching out to apple about it i think we talked about this and how to get featured on the app stores just the real people i think that even that article is like yeah read the real people reach out to them if you need to you know instead of like okay they're apple they said no so i have to just comply you know reach out talk have a dialogue if need be because surprisingly, you said it's an algorithm, but they actually do. There is somebody that checks everything. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, coming from my other side, you know, we talked, I have the other podcast, Digital Dads, and we're featured in the parenting section on the front page of iTunes, by the way. But that means there no, are pro- thousands of parents. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but that just showed me don't there are thousands of, because podcasts, they don't make any money off of podcasts. They don't make any money, right? They're just an index. And there are thousands of in, in that category of parenting one, but somebody listens to them because they found ours out of nobody. You know what I mean? So they must get have like an inbox that says, "Oh, these are the new ones. Let's look Andy. at that." Yeah, like, oh, I'll check. That looks pretty good. You, and then they pass it along. Yeah, that's pretty good. Let's put it in a curated thing because that's their job. There's whole teams that are, their job is to find <clears throat> things to curate. So yeah, and I yeah, sorry. I think this is like a whole episode. We could turn this into awesome. like a whole yeah. Yeah, episode. Yeah, I think we'll, 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 we'll table this. Maybe this will be Obina's next episode. That, yeah. That'll be yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Real, real quick before we go, we're going to talk about a, an event that Eduardo and I went to. It's called Intoxicating VR in Atlanta. I got invited to this. I was Eduardo's plus one <laughs> for this event. So talk about this event and why, you know, your project and why you, you're part of this, Eduardo. So Intoxicating VR is uh, uh, an initiative from Microsoft. So it was hosted on, like you said, in the in here in Atlanta. It was in Flatiron, um, and I think they're gonna do it now every year. Uh, they're also planning to do uh, another one on Miami in next next month. So uh, I'll be there too. So what they have is uh, here. Presenting different VR experiences like um, demos with the Vive, Oculus, the um, Omni, which is a, a device where you can walk uh, on VR. You have to put a, like a belt or something. Uh, it's like a treadmill and you can actually oh, yeah. run and walk. You put the shoes on and um, you kind of like slide yeah. on yeah. it. It like kind of holds you by the waist and it's yeah. you know, the omnidirectional little balls you run on or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so... They also had some Gear VRs and um, they had the HoloLens. So, um, talk about in, your in game, to- your game, which you had. Yeah, yeah. In in this uh, Intoxicating VR, which was the first one, um, I was presenting with James Martin, former uh, guest of the show. We had him on. For, yeah, the motion capture episode. We were presenting a game called uh, Flip Blades, where it's a, it's like a redneck game where you have. Um, <laughs> Five uh, <laughs> knives and uh, axes, and you can throw them to a target. Uh, Knife throwing and axe throwing is a time-honored tradition, Eduardo. It's not a yeah, redneck it's like the Renaissance game. festival. <laughs> yeah, it's that's like funny because I, 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 I did that. It I told Eduardo that because I I played that game that last week, and then I went to the Renaissance festival this week, and I was like, I just did this. <laughs> yeah, VR is practice is this for redneck-y? real life. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, but it was it was a, a really nice experience to see that everybody liked it and uh, they enjoyed it because uh, that's the magic of the vibe. They can, there was um, they were walking around and throwing knives and there was oh this is pretty exciting and they were throwing them with both hands. Um, it was awesome to see that people like what you do. Yeah, that was the first time. That was actually the first time I've ever tried a Vive. And I've tried their game. That's the only thing I've done in the Vive. And I was surprised. It's it's great. It's awesome. The controls are great. And actually, that headset is the one that's comfortable as hell. You can actually wear your glasses, Ryan. Did you wear your glasses when you tried it? The Vive? Yeah, I did. I didn't I didn't wear my glasses just because I'm, I'm more, uh, what is it, farsighted. I can see things up close all right. So, uh, yeah, I, okay. I tried it out. And it was... Yeah, it was a, just a really great experience. I mean, I thought the responsiveness of everything was very impressive, like with the controls and the headset moving around. Um, you know, it was a little jarring sometimes coming up against the virtual wall, but it was also very intuitive. It was like, oh, I can't go any further than that. All right, I'll step back and keep shooting my arrows or whatever. But yeah, it was, I thought it was great. Yeah. Oh, Andrew, I didn't tell you this. The um, James send the the demo that we had to HTC and they loved it. Oh really? That's cool. Yeah. Like oh, nice. damn. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> that, yeah, that was, all Hollywood on us now. He's gonna leave. <laughs> Look at him. Oh, okay. And then also well that's will just really the experience. Real quick he mentioned it. We we were just talking to different people because there's only a few demos. And it's usually just the people that Eduardo was working with, at Gaspar and James. And we were just talking. They had nice free drinks and snacks and stuff. So we we're just sitting there talking. And then we start talking to this guy. And he's like, yeah, I'm from Microsoft and I'm Evangelist. And he's like, and we're just like, started mentioning the HoloLens. He's like, you guys want to see it? And he's, he said, you can't tweet about it. You can't <laughs> take pictures. I don't know. So I don't even know if we're supposed to talk about it here. But we went upstairs. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. We went to the back of his oh. van. And then we, do you want? Do you want me to let you just do this? He went or do you the want... back of the van. <laughs> yeah, this guy. No, and I don't know what we're supposed to say. Like it was, it's very simple. But like we did, it and it's awesome, and it's really cool. So it's what you've heard. There's there's whole reviews on the Verge and stuff of, and it's everything they said. It's really neat. It's like kind of still in demo mode. And you can tell how they need to, like you know, it, it, they're the technology is solid. So be excited for that whenever that. That's comes it, Andrew. Don't, don't go to jail. Yeah. I'm not going to go through it. We didn't sign anything. I just oh, wanted to brag about trying the HoloLens. Fucking what? say it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, it was, a, it was an awesome event. We got to try the HoloLens. Um, I presented Again, that game. Again, we got to try the HoloLens. Um, and uh, also, oh, another game that we presented in the event was uh, Project Ghost Studios, which is the one that um, Gaspar Ferreira uh, presented, um, and he started the game. Uh, he's going to port that one to the Oculus Rift as well. So there are a few things coming out, so wait for it. Yeah, and we also really quickly, we talked to a guy that has a company called, or he works with a company called VR Studios, and they're doing this thing where it's like installations where they're developing their own technology, like their own headsets and their own like big-scale room where it has like 60 motion capture cameras. And there's like they have six on six working, so it's like multiplayer. So it's like their ideas they're going to make arcades with this stuff. We're talking to people and they have ins- installations and stuff of these things. And they have a client and they talked about in China that wants twelve on twelve and a fifty meter by a hundred meter volume. Damn. So, and we might actually we don't know. And we talked to that guy and he's based here. He's like a rep for the southeast. And he said we could go try it in the next few weeks. So Eduardo and I we might report back. 
<laughs> on that experience. Ashley. Another back of the van situation. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah, it's so awkward. <laughs> it's very cool. So take your VR. We're to take yeah. your VR. Exactly. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. All right. Well, in the meantime, if you want to join us and talk to us on a daily basis, you can go to our Facebook group, the Debug Lounge. Uh, that's where we share questions, a lot of questions and projects you're working on. We have a lot of influx of people lately sharing a bunch of cool things. Um, we're still working on our video project, the Debug Lounge, which we're going to, I think we're going to record some more beta episodes. I think, I think the idea is that we might release that show and kind of the, the rebranding of all that stuff with our anniversary. I think July 15th is our anniversary for the show coming up soon mm-hmm. for one year, guys. So that's pretty cool. Woo! So we're doing that. You know, as always, you can write us a question or comment at the, uh, oh, I didn't say to join the Facebook group. Just search for uh, the Debug Lounge or go to our website, uh, the debuglog.com, and you can uh, join our Facebook. No, sorry. You can join our email newsletter, The Loop, and then Eduardo will add you into the Facebook group. You can join in there. Uh, you can send any questions and comments to the debug log at gmail.com. Uh, criticisms to Zach at the debuglog.com, which he doesn't check. So they're just piling up in there. Uh, and we have Twitter. I really wonder how many freaking messages we've got in there. I know. So Zach, check your email because we might actually have exactly. people like, F you guys. Exactly. <laughs> and another thing. Yes. Seriously, switch that over to me. Because <laughs> oh no, you're just gonna like, yeah, you mother. <laughs> no, I won't reply. I swear. <laughs> so yeah, we, everywhere we have our Instagram accounts getting bigger and bigger slowly. And we have our YouTube account getting bigger and bigger after we stop putting videos on there. But <laughs> but again, that'll change because we'll have the debug lounge coming on that soon, and then Zach. Once he gets back from his European vacation, he'll uh, start putting some more stream videos on there, too. So, anyways, on Twitter, I'm at Andrew underscore Curry. That's C-U-R-R-I-E. And I'm at O-Beans. That's O with an H, Beans with a Z. I'm at R-E Kilgore, K-I-L-L-G-O-R-E. I'm at Eduardo CF 1989. Boom. All right, cool. We'll see you next time. So until then, we're all our peoples. I'm Andrew. (laughs) I don't know. Are we doing this again? (laughs) We didn't do the show. We do that. That's how we end every episode. (laughs) Exactly. I'm going to beat us too. (laughs) I'm still Ryan. No more recursion. Yeah, I'm I'm still Eduardo. (laughs) See ya. Bye. See you guys. At R-E-T-O-O. It did seem redundant that time. It's never seemed like that before. That's it weird. It really did. I don't know why. We always redundant. do that the exact same way. For some reason, that seemed weird. It seemed really redundant that time. That's crazy. Really? If, if we if we really said our names after giving our Twitter handles? That's true. Yeah, yeah that seems yeah, super redundant. Yeah. Okay. I think I maybe... Um, why does it feel weird that time? And I think because we said, I'm, like, I'm Andrew Curry. Like, I'm Andrew... Uh,